sinner, if you ask me how Christ can save you, I tell you this, he can save you because he did not save himself. He can save you because he took your guilt and endured your punishment. There is no way of salvation apart from the satisfaction of divine justice. Either the sinner must die or else someone must die for him. And we're back after a bit of a layoff and uh, one of our members being sick, <coughs> Ben. <coughs> it wasn't COVID. It I was, got tested. It was not the COVID. Not big Rona. Nope. But we are back. We are very excited to get right back into the Attributes of God series. Um, just to give you a recap of the first episode of the series, we did the Aseity of God, which is that God is existence in and of himself that he is completely satisfied in himself and that there's nothing he he is of no one and uh, he created everything to his liking and um shoot under obligation to nothing no one didn't have any you know outside reason to have to create other than for his goodwill so boom thanks for coming and jumping in there i totally butchered that no. It's fine. You're rusty. Three weeks. Rusty. Off it's been three rusty. weeks. Yeah, that's right. No, but we are we're excited to bring you guys the sovereignty of God today, which is such a massive topic, and it is everywhere in the Bible. Yeah, the Word of God is just drenched in that uh, in that attribute of God that He is sovereign. And we will do our best in this short while to make do a, uh, to m- make justice to it, but. Obviously, there's so much more than we'll be able to cover in our short episode uh, that we really suggest go study it. It's something awesome. It's a very exciting topic, but at the same time, it is incredibly humbling. Mm-hmm. That's something that I uh, I would um, suggest leaving your pride at the door. <laughs> you know, the things you, you may know, um, I was completely floored by some of the things that that I, I was shown in, in the scriptures. but So what is the definition of sovereignty or God's sovereignty? The, the official definition of God's sovereignty is that God is the supreme authority and all things are under his, are under his control. Absolute right to do all things according to his own good will or good pleasure. I just want to start, follow up that. Man, I'm now also not good with words uh, i just want to follow that up also with um a quote on this about from spurgeon where he said quote there is no attribute more comforting to his children than that of god's sovereignty under the most adverse circumstances it is the in the most severe trials they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions that sovereignty overrules them and that sovereignty will sanctify them all there is nothing for which the children of God ought more earnestly contend than the doctrine of their master over all creation, the kingship of God over all the works of his hands, 
the throne of God and his right to sit upon that throne. On the other hand, there is no doctrine more hated by worldlings, no truth, <clears throat> pardon me, no truth of which they have made such a football as the great stupendous but yet most certain doctrine of the sovereignty of the infinite Jehovah. Men will allow God to be everywhere except on his throne. They will allow him to be in his workshop, to fashion worlds and make stars. They will allow him to be in his almonry, to dispense his alms and bestow his bounties. They will allow him to sustain the earth and bear it up, bear up the pillars thereof, or light the lamps of heaven, or rule, or rule the waves of the ever-moving ocean. But when God ascends his throne, the creatures then gnash their teeth. And we proclaim an enthroned God, and his right to do as he wills with his own, to dispose of his creatures as he thinks well, without consulting them in the matter. Then it is, then it is that we are hissed and execrated, and then it is that men turn a deaf ear to us. For God on his throne is not the God they love, but it is God on his throne that we love to preach. It is God upon his throne whom we trust. And that was, end quote, that was Spurgeon. Very similar to that. He has another quote on, on the sovereignty of God is that, or just the doctrine of it is, and he is quoted saying, no doctrine in the whole world of God. In the whole word of God has more excited the hatred of mankind than the truth of absolute sovereignty of God. Well, and uh, the, the one, the common thing going back to God's society, the common theme is that the specific uh, uh, character trait that, that we're referring to uh, isn't always like by, or by the word defined in the Bible. Uh, the word sovereign in the New Testament uh it's translated into sovereign once by the NASB. And so it's we have to actually look to see what the Bible says about God, not just the specific word. Um, but in that one time, the word that was used in the Greek is a despotes, which is the, the Greek form, that the word that we derive, despot. Not to uh, confuse God with a tyrannical dictator, but just to show his unrivaled, the unparalleled uh, power, his, just uh, the fact that there, there's no one who can question him like he is um, in, in the context that he's used in First Timothy 6 verse 15 um, referring to Jesus Christ uh, Paul writes he was the he was the blessed and only sovereign the king of king and lord of lords just showing how uh, he is completely sovereign he is the king above all kings he can intercede in any other or era, intervene in any other uh, kingdom or, or situation he's completely above everyone else yeah yeah, and men men hate that doctrine. You know, men men like to have control. Mm -hmm. Men like to be in command, and they don't like the fact that there is one who is in command over all. Ultimate, ultimately, man is very proud. Man is self-serving, and man is self-loving. The sovereignty of God kind of takes that and flips it on its head, mm -hmm. and says, "I am in control." I have always had everything in control and everything is for my glory. And I think that's something we have to remember in this too, is God isn't just in control for the sake of being in control, but he is worthy of all glory. And so he makes everything for his own good pleasure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, in just in line with that, you know, 
points me to, to Romans 8, 28, where he says, Paul writes, And we know that God causes things to work together for, for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Um, so God uses um, all things. Uh, you know, I would assume that all things include bad things, not just good things. Mm -hmm. um, so God uses all things. So he's sovereign over all things. God doesn't just call, cause good things to happen. We can, we're going to get into Job eventually, I'm sure. Mm. Um, but God causes all things um, to work together for the good to those who love God. Yeah. Well, it's very, you know, in the same breath, Ephesians 1, 11 through 14 talks about in him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will mm -hmm. to the end that we that we who were the first to hope in christ would be the, to the praise of his glory in him you also after listening to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation having also believed you were sealed in him with the holy spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. And yeah, so it talks about the God does according to the counsel of His will. Um, we can look elsewhere in the Bible and see the same. You know, you look in Psalm 135 where it says, "Whatever the Lord does, or whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in the deeps." Uh, you can look at Psalm 115, where it said, God, Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Um, also in Isaiah 46, where God says, For I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things which have not been, or have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and, all, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Very sim similarly, um, Psalm 103, um, 18, 19, 20 talks about uh, his sovereignty ruling over all. Um, Romans 11, verse 36 talks about from him, through him, and to him are all things. First, er, Colossians 1, 15, 23, 15 to 23, sorry. By him all was created through him and for him. So it's all according to his good will and to, for his good pleasure. Mm -hmm. In Daniel 4, we have the story of Nebuchadnezzar who has received a prophecy through through Daniel. Um, and this is after everything has happened, after he's gone grazing in the field and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this is Daniel affirming the prophecy. Um, or sorry, this is Nebuchadnezzar um, affirming the prophecy. Um and in verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, and, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? And so you see here that um, we can't ward off the hand of God. We don't have the authority to say, um, no, God, you can't work in my life. That We don't have um, any sort of authority to, to say yes or no in any capacity like that to God. And this is a man who didn't have... He didn't believe in God. This is Nebuchadnezzar. He was a king. He uh, was an ungodly king, and God worked through him anyway, despite what whatever Nebuchadnezzar's will was. Yeah, and that just reminds me of a quote from A.W. Pink, where he said, God always does as he pleases, when he pleases, where he pleases, and with whom he pleases. So, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who, or it doesn't matter what. God always does as he pleases, and 
you know, we look at Job 42, ties into the end of that verse in Daniel 4, where Job says, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours will be thwarted. And so we look at these these verses and these passages talking about God has this infinite plan for everything. And we can we can look at that in today's world, in uh, in the very um, actions of man that are going on around around the world, such as the presidential election in the United States. Um, even that outcome is in God's hand. It's in his control. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, like in Daniel 2, it says... Um, it says that, you know, it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. You know, God is the one who raises up kings. God yeah. is the one who yeah. um, lowers men. Uh, the same way in Romans 9, it talks about how, you know, God raised up Pharaoh for the purpose of demonstrating his own power. And so his name might be proclaimed through the whole earth, right? Like, yep. he's the one who raised up Pharaoh for his own purposes. Yeah, Romans 13 says, or 13 verse 1, Every person to, is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Mm-hmm. So we can look at this, and, and there can be that assurance that, okay, God is in control here too. It's every little thing, and... And John MacArthur had said it in a, in a way that was so elo- eloquent. Like it was, um, he basically said, you take the the actions and the, the thoughts and the, and the decisions of man, and there are um, millions beyond billions and trillions of actions and things that happen in man's life. And God knits them so perfectly together mm. for, to serve his purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're all there for a very specific reason. And I think that is one of the most beautiful ways to describe mm-hmm. the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. and, and the absolute beauty of it. Mm-hmm. In Romans 93, or not Romans 93, that's not even a book. We're not going outside of the Bible. Romans is a book. In, that wouldn't uh, be a chapter. Yeah, that's not a chapter. That's right. In Psalm 93, it starts with the Lord reigns. And, you know, that we're talking, you know. The Lord reigns. No one else reigns with him. No one else, you know, the Lord reigns. And that he reigns over all things. Like we're talking, like you mentioned, right? Like all these things come together. All these things are so knit together perfectly to um, uh, just work so perfectly to his will that it's just, it's so astounding. Like he's, you know, over the earth, over all the nations, over all the nature, over all the events, circumstances, people, over their hearts, minds, wills, mm. over everything. God is sovereign over all of these things. Well, and I saw, I came across this quote yesterday um, from A.W. Tozer, where he said, while it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes there is a God who has not surrendered his authority. Mm. And so we are, you, you had brought up the um, the presidential race in the states right yeah. and, and things are things are crazy with that like i'm trying not to follow that really all that much but that whole thing is insane and it looks like yeah, everything is going on yeah, yeah it looks like everything is out of control but this this quote right it just it's a good reminder that 
you know, like we talked about with God raising up kings and stuff, and um, as crazy as things look sometimes, it's, it is very comforting to remember that God is sovereign over all these things, and God is in control of all these things, and not a single molecule is outside of his sovereignty and control, right? So it's mm-hmm. comforting. Yeah, but, I think just to touch on uh, Psalm 93, right? That's what you had quoted there. Um, the I believe David was the one, the psalmist who wrote that one. But in the book of Psalms, there's a few different chapters, a few different psalms that start with he reigns. And the one thing that is really cool with how that's written is that, first of all, it's he that reigns, not anyone else besides him like you had pointed out. Mm-hmm. But it's also reigns is um, present tense. He currently reigns. Actively. He actively reigns. Yep. He, with all authority, he reigns. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much power in that one word. Mm-hmm. And I would highly suggest listening to uh, uh, Steve Lawson's sermon on the sovereignty of God. Because he goes over some of these psalms. And he has a, a list of attributes within the word reigns. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, astounding to me. Yeah, so, I started listening to that one too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. So I would highly suggest you you all listen to that. Well, and uh, if we we talk about this actively reigning, right? And that brings me to one point that I I, I know we were going to cover at some point in this episode. So why not now? Uh, that God is in control. You know, recently, just recently, and this is. There's a teaching that um, that comes out as, you know, God is not in control, but we can give him control mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, I know, you know, there's a quote that I had heard from uh, Bill Johnson, pastor of Bethel Redding in California, and where he was quoted, you know, saying, God is in charge, but he is not in control. He left us in control. Um, and then one that just came up on my Facebook feed, and I'm going to quote it, and it's actually from a church in nearby Winnipeg, um, from Springs Church. It's in incredibly sad how close to home that is. Yeah, and it came up on my Facebook feed uh, a couple days ago, <clears throat> and we discussed it amongst ourselves. We discussed it with some of the guys from church as well, mm-hmm. um, but... So I'm just going to get into this. We're we're talking about this topic of God is in like God is reigning, God is in control. But there is this belief among some churches and some um, that God is not right. So I'm just going to quote this. So this is from uh, Pastor Leon Fontaine of Springs Church, Winnipeg. Um, the quote starts: uh, "Quote Christians always say two things about God: God is a God of love, and God is in control." How in the world do you take these two principles and bring them together? When millions of children are starving to death, millions of babies have been aborted, thousands of little children have been raped and abused, and horrible things are taking place on the planet. That a a chained up 12-year-old girl for nine years to a bed. God's in control. Oh, shut up. That is the dumbest doctrine I've ever heard in my life. God's in control. 
it has caused more heartache, more smart people to deny Christ because Christians are saying he's in control. Now, you can give God control of your life. You can submit yourself to God's word and God will work with you. And I'm telling you that your life will change. Read your Bible a little bit. End quote. And <clears throat> so that, first of all, that that's that uh, teaching that, first of all, is false. Um, that God is not in control. Um, and that this will lead us ultimately to one point that we are also going to cover the, the topic of evil, right? The topic of uh, why there is evil. But it's almost as if this belief... <clears throat> pardon me, this belief that uh, because bad things happen, then somehow God is not in control. Well, this, this um, a common argument against this kind of stuff, um, when, you know, going back to when God sets up and, and deposes kings, um, people would say, well, was God really in control when Hitler was in, in, in charge of Germany? Um, was he um, in charge then? And of course he was. Um, God was in charge when they nailed his son to a cross for, for nothing. Mm-hmm. He, he orchestrated that whole thing. And so if God can, can orchestrate the death of his own son, the worst sin in the, in the history of humankind, um, then it, it's, it's plausible to say, or not plausible, then we know that God is in control of, of every other situation, even though sin or even though evil is in that situation. God is not the author of that sin, but he, he is in control. Yeah, exactly. And if well, we can look right to to um, Job. Yeah. Job one, where the devil himself has to come before God asking permission. Mm-hmm. Um, that should say a lot about God's control. Yeah. That even the devil has, like, the devil can't do anything he pleases either. Yeah, because there's this commonly believed thing that, you know, somehow there's this dichotomy these two sides there's good and evil that that they're balanced that you know the devil's constantly thwarting god's plan and that um you know god has to change his plans because the devil keeps screwing things up or whatever like they're equal and uh, you know in the end good will win or bad you know um but the truth is like you just said you know the devil had to come to god to get and god Mm -hmm. gave him granted him permission to test Job the same way that you know the devil asked Jesus if he could test Pe- t- about testing Peter yeah. right um, he has no he has no more power than um, than God gives him he can do no more than God gives him permission I think to do. I think a true Christ true Christian as well will rejoice in um, despair mm-hmm like when when they are down and out, they're going to rejoice because their faith is strong in Christ and Christ alone. Um, you look at the story of Paul where he's literally being crushed by by rocks at, at those stoning him. He has been shipwrecked. He has been flogged. He has been, you know, beaten for Christ's sake, and yet he and, and exiled and all these things, right? And yet. We are not promised this really easy, you know, make a ton of money and um, your life is going to be just this sunshine and and rainbows and lollipops type of life. Like, God is in control of the good and the bad times. Mm-hmm. But our faith has to be strong in the good and the bad times. Yeah. And that, that this teaching of God is not in control is so... Um, 
it's so like I don't understand how you can have hope if God is not in control, right? Like how can how can the, how can you have peace and how can you have hope if God is not in control? You know, to quote R.C. Sproul, he said, "If there is one single molecule in this universe running around loose, totally free of God's sovereignty, then we have no guarantee that a single promise of God will ever be fulfilled." Because if there is something that is outside of God's control, then how can we trust the promises of God? Because yeah. he can't control everything. Then, one, sorry. Uh, one thing I just wanted to clarify when I said earlier too. Um, when I said you know Christ dying on the cross, um, I said for nothing, not for nothing. He died on the cross for our sins. He was an innocent man. He was innocent. That's what I was trying to say. There was yeah. nothing that Christ had done to warrant his death on the cross. Just so we're clear, he didn't die for nothing. He died for us. That's uh, good to clarify because some people might yeah. <laughs> take it the wrong way. But um, R.C. Sproul had had said a very similar quote that you had talking about the you know if there's even one particle of dust. But he had said, there is not one piece of cosmic dust that is outside the scope of God's sovereign providence. Mm-hmm. And, and, so- and Steve Lawson had said in his... So in his sovereignty, God not only determines the ends, he controls all the necessary means to accomplish those ends. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when we talk about, you know, obviously, um, this brings up the question of evil, right? Um, and so many people will ask, uh, you know, if God is good and God is all-powerful, then why, does, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, first of all, that only happened once. He volunteered. It was Jesus. Because mm-hmm. um, otherwise there are no good people. So, you know, the question should really be why do good things happen to bad people? Um, but that bring, that that commonly is a common question that comes up with this, with sovereignty, right? You know, you look around the world and like that pastor I quoted earlier said, um, there are so many, so many evil, wicked things happening in this world. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking uh, hundreds of thousands of baby, innocent babies slaughtered every year. And so then people bring up the question of evil. Like, why is there evil? Right? Yeah. So, like, we can discuss this, obviously, but um, do you have any well points on this? Let's first look, let's go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Obviously... Obviously, the holiness of God is something that um, the Bible talks about in great detail. That God is completely separate from sin. That there's no sin that dwells within him. He takes no part in it. As a matter of fact, Psalm 5 says he hates all who do iniquity. Um, I, I, I look at um, Genesis 3. And I look at the fall of man, and um, some people say, well, the punishment seems so incredibly harsh. You know, they sinned once. But if you realize that one drop of sin in the, the pool that is the purest pool of holiness contaminates it. Like, God is so holy that he cannot be anywhere near sin. And yet, they sinned right within his garden right and it as uh the one guy in our bible study last night said like him banishing adam and eve from the garden actually saved their lives Mm -hmm. yeah obviously they were um at that point 
Um, their lives were determined to death. But he didn't kill them immediately. Mm-hmm. Because um, he's that good. Yeah. He's that merciful. But yeah, that, they're that, deserving of it. Exactly. And that, as we are deserving, I should make sure we... That part always brings me... Up, or we're always throws me back and re- reminds me of the what's wrong with you people clip mm. by RC from RC Sproul when he was asked that question, you know, why was the punish so, punishment so severe for Adam? And uh so if you haven't seen that, please uh go watch it. Yeah, it's it just it's it's really well explained and uh, but basically he says that you know like what's wrong with you people that you ask this question because you know, why was it so severe? Like this creature from the dust sinned against the the holy God, and you know God didn't kill him on the spot, like that was you know the death it said there would be death, right, and the death what did come it just God didn't kill him on the spot, like it, he was merciful in that, even providing covering for them when with the first skin covering right first animal death, well, you can look at Romans nine two that he makes um like the potter makes one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use. Mm-hmm. He uses it for his divine purpose. Now, God himself obviously does not commit evil, as we previously stated. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in a way, the devil is God's devil. He he is using him for his purpose. Not that God commits the evil, but he allows it so that his, his mercy... Um, may be glorified and it may be evident, but at the mm-hmm. same time, his wrath will be poured out as well, and he can show both aspects mm-hmm. yeah. of his love and then his wrath as well. Yeah. Well, and um, based the way I see it too, like I mean, in in Romans, Paul talks about how um, when when there's people in the church that are in gross and sin, that they're to, and, and they're unrepentant, they they've been confronted, they won't change, uh, that they're to be excommunicated, right? Um, and that's kind of how I see the situation. God excommunicated Adam, and, and Paul re- refers to them as delivering them unto Satan, so that the, their soul may be saved. And so, um, this this uh, this curse that is also a blessing in a way um, for for Adam and Eve. They yes, they have you know uh, they have to work for their food. They have to toil with the earth. Um, Eve has to go through labor pains for children, and at the same time, this whole process can chasten them and actually bring them to repentance. Mm-hmm. And the same thing that, that excommunication is done, God uses the devil, it's his devil, that he uses for his purposes uh, to, to chasten his people. Yeah, and, you know, this... Oh, I forgot exactly what I was going to word there, but um, I had a thought, and it kind of escaped me for a second, but, you know, we talk about um, evil, and ultimately... Um, you know, we look at God as sovereign in creation. Um, he, you know, spoke everything into existence. Um, set, you know, creating the stage for all things to happen. But God is also sovereign in the the doing of all, like in the uh, not the doing of all things, but He is sovereign. Not only did He create the stage, but He prescripted the entire plot for what would take place. You know, um, John Calvin once said that, you know, all the universe is but a, st- a theater to display the glory of God. And so sin and evil was also, you know, ordained. And when we say ordained, we're not, you know, we're not saying 
we're saying God permits it, not so much that God does so approvingly, like God doesn't approve of evil, but he, he allows it and permits it so that it accomplishes the mm. purpose that he had set forward for it. You know, you know, evil ultimately, like you said, Braden, will, um, if there was no evil, then uh, God's justice, his attribute of justice mm-hmm. would not be visible. He, he well, exactly, would, not be able, yeah. would not be able to show it. Uh, but also his his attribute of mercy, you know, the mercy of God would not be able to be shown if there was no evil to um, be merciful from, yeah. to save people from, right? Yeah, so his... Those attributes are on, a, on display immediately. Mm-hmm. So he permits Adam and Eve to have you know, commit that crime of eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he he knew that was going to happen. He ordained that to happen because he said, it's not like he put a barrier on the tree that they couldn't get it. Um, but, so he ordains for that to happen. He allows it to happen. But immediately, his mercy and justice are shown Mm-hmm. He gives the great display of mercy that the seed of Eve will crush the serpent's head, but yet he still casts them out because that's his justice. Mm-hmm. Like both are on display, and he he obviously God is perfectly balanced. He but he shows that perfect balance mm-hmm. within just a couple verses. Yeah. Well, I I heard a. Uh... I was watching a video by John Piper, and I'm going to paraphrase him a bit here. I'm not going to quote him, but um, there, there's often that that people have that question, you know, like um, obviously, like like you said, Adam and Eve are being kicked out of the garden; they're being punished for their sins. But God's also control; He, he permitted sin, um, like He allowed them to sin, uh, that He could use it for His glory. And so people are like, "Well, if God's in control, why are people getting punished for their sin?" And so the way John Piper kind of explained it is. is um, Basically, there's there's two very very present truths in the Bible. One is God's complete sovereignty; that's undeniable. It's all over the Bible. We were just talking about it, and also uh, punishment for sin. That's also, I mean, uh, Romans three says all have sinned, and no one, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's you can there's tons of stories of, of falling short of the glory of God in the Bible. Tons of examples. Um, and, and so there's obviously punishment for sin as well. And so some people are saying, well, what's the connection? Um, and and he said that you know the idea of free will that we have complete free will which would in my opinion that that theology or that doctrine would nullify the sovereignty of God if we have complete free will he said that that doesn't do it from that's not enough um, it doesn't work and so uh, for me and 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 for him uh, there's like a divine mystery as to how those two connect they mm-hmm. work completely yeah and and also together. Yeah, and I would just add that we're not meant to know everything. No, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. there's there's such a want for knowledge, but at the same time, because God is sovereign, because he is in control, because he allows us to see and to know the things that he wants us to see and to know, you know, we're only going to know a very limited thing mm-hmm. in comparison to who God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was listening to a sermon in prep- preparation for this as well and um, from John MacArthur, and he was talking about in Isaiah 10 um, where God is talking to uh, like saying woe to 
Assyria, the rod of my anger and the staff in whose hands is my indignation. Um, basically, you know, Assyria is his tool for, you know, punishing or um, straightening out Israel. And, but then he also goes on to say that, after, you know, it, uh, that was not, you know, Assyria's intent. You know, Assyria's intent was just to go and, uh, you know, take out Israel, take out Judah, and uh, but that so that was their intent, and their king had said, uh, you know, had, was his thoughts were all, you know, I'm so uh, intelligent, I'm so wise and so strong, and we did this, and we took this out, and stuff like that. But it was actually God was actually using them to punish, you know, Israel, who had sinned. And um, then God turns and says that I will punish you, Assyria, like I will just, uh, punish Assyria for, um, like, you know, their, and their intent and their stuff, right? Anyways. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we were talking, or just, I was listening to it, and, you know, John MacArthur is going through and he's talking about this, right? And um, there was one thing that just stood out to me, like, and he said, "There, you know, it's very important for us to understand that God controls by di divine decree and divine sovereign power everything that goes on in the world to his own purposes and his own intents. That does not remove one iota of culpability from those who do evil." They will be judged by God both for the act and the motive and the failure to give him glory and worship him. And that's exactly what you were talking about, Ben. There's this, um, there's this, uh, this, there's two sides, right? Like this, there's two sides and it's something that we have to, tr we, we try to put together, but we will, you know, I don't think we'll ever fully understand it, but there's this, you know, God is sovereign. God uses, um, and does things for his own intents, for his own purpose. But yet, man is fully responsible for his sin. Man is fully responsible for the intents of his heart. Man is fully responsible for not giving him glory, not um, giving him uh, praise and worshiping him. So there's, you know, God is sovereign, but also man is, and they don't contradict each other. No. They work together. Yeah. And that's something we don't fully understand and probably never will. But it, it, yeah. Yeah. It's just, well, and it's something that, you know, we may never satisfy everyone with our, with an explanation of it, but mm -hmm. I think we can look to once again to Job and, and like we had stated earlier, um, that Satan had to ask permission from God to, to test Job. And if you look at the and read through Job, Job actually never finds out why these things happen to him. And they are some horrendous things. He loses mm -hmm. his family. He loses his servants. He uh, has his wife tell him, um, curse God and die. His friends come in and give him just horrendous advice. Yeah, they're basically uh, telling him to repent for whatever it was that caused this yeah. calamity. And so, but then... Um, so he starts to, you can see, he he is faithful, but he starts to lose faith and start to lose understanding of, why would God do this? And God basically 
instead of giving him the answer, he says, who are you, old man? Or where were you when, the found when I created the foundations of the earth? Mm -hmm. And when I did all these things, where were you? Like, I don't owe you an explanation. But, like, what, like why do you not trust me? Is what I understand of, of the, uh, the story of Job. And now, let's remember that the story of Job is not just a story. It is something that happened. It is very real. Mm -hmm. um, but we can look at that and say God is, is in control. He allows these things to happen. But he does not have to give us answers as to why they happen. It is, it is up to us to have faith in him that when these things happen, we're not looking to ourselves. We're not looking to our, um, the one time that we said a prayer. We're not looking to how often we go to church or how much money we give to the church. But is our faith in Christ and his word mm -hmm. and the promises that we can stand on. And the inc incredibly comfor comforting thing is that God is sovereign. Is and that God, all his decrees, all He, all his purposes and his plans will come to pass as we've talked about, right? So... Mm -hmm. That's the same thing, you know, the will of the Father is that Jesus loses none that he gave to mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. And so that means we can trust that promise that he's, mm -hmm. those that he saves, he will keep. And those that, those, he will, he will raise on the last day, right? One of the thoughts I had. Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead, I'll finish your thought and then I'll. Okay. One of the thoughts I had, I, I wrote it down yesterday because it just popped in my head and, and it just kind of stuck there. And I wrote it down and I don't think anything shows God's power and knowledge more than how he saw and used every decision of man to fulfill his eternal power, purpose and glory. It is the greatness of God is his sovereignty. Mm -hmm. How he can use everything to serve himself and he does everything for our good too. For the good of those who love him. Yeah, yeah it's a it it's one of those mind-blowing things, you know, like it, well, because we're never going to fully understand it. Oh, yeah. But speaking of, uh, of, you know, you were talking about his sovereignty kind of in, in that light. Um, God's also sovereign in uh, salvation. And that's something that, uh, it's a whole other topic. We want to do another another episode on that. Yeah. Um, and so we're just going to leave that for uh, either next week or, or the week after. Um, and uh, we're going to do some good prep on that. There's, uh, it's a bit of a, debated topic i guess you could say well i i don't know if debated but it's contested uh, anyway yeah it's it's one of those that the understanding right there's there's multiple uh there's a couple different understandings around the topic and so that's uh that's when we talked about a bit at home at our home group last night where mm -hmm. we were talking about um you know the sovereignty and the decision and stuff like that and so there's people see it different ways, right? So yeah. Yeah. that's that's just one thing we want to study on and prepare for before we because we didn't really prepare for it on this part because we thought about it kind of last minute that oh we should probably talk about God's sovereignty and that as well, uh, but yeah. we definitely want to prepare for that and yeah, come we, prepared. To, we kind of did this this episode in in such a way that shows God's sovereignty over His creation and. I think the sovereignty over salvation needs to kind of stand on its own. Not that it's separate from God being sovereign on his over his creation. That's not right. what I mean. But it's such a big topic and it's something that um, 
there can be a couple different ways scripture can be interpreted or people have interpreted I should say and so we want to make sure that we are fully read on the subject mm-hmm. and uh, we we don't want to take it lightly yep. but what we know is that those he saves he will keep yep. that, uh, mm-hmm. that the promises of God are um, trustworthy and that because he's sovereign that ultimately we can trust those promises and you know he promises that everyone who calls on his name will be saved and uh, so if you are listening and you haven't um, you know turned to Christ we we uh, we plea for you to flee from the wrath to come because it is you know it's given once uh, one life and you know once it's passed all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat uh, whether we are in Christ or not but and we'll answer for what we've done um, in the body or out and if you are not in Christ and God the Father does not view you in the righteousness of Christ then you're going to be judged by the law and you will fall short Mm. and you know God does not leave sin unpunished and so you know punishment will be hell for eternity and that is something that we don't want for any of you and so we we plead um you know flee the wrath to come run to christ turn to christ he is faithful and he will save everyone who calls on his name so remember god is good all All the the time. time on all the time god God is is good. good